Welcome to episode 66 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. We got some guests today. We do have some guests. Some of our favorite wanna... favorite, favorite guys in the whole, not just industry, but world. Yeah. You want to do an introduction? We have Jesse and Kurt from Blue Alpha. Blue Alpha Gear. How are you guys doing? We're good. How are you guys? Doing awesome. Good. Good, man. Yeah. Hold down like the fort. <laughs> like I did. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys coming on. We've, we've been talking about this for probably about a year. So we, I think both Jared and I met you guys at about the same time. We were at a... Uh, it's like NRA, a, right? Yeah, it was NRA. It was a, like a radio or the podcast radio. We like shooting. We like shooting uh, party. Yeah. A little party. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. Wait, was that last year? Or two years ago? I think I met you guys last year. Maybe it was. Maybe it was sure longer that. than that. I don't know. Time. I'm always terrible at this. Like Greg, I don't even remember yeah. the exact time you and I connected. I'll never forget that, Jared. So I'm hurt that you. Really? <laughs> oh man, we gotta talk about it then because my brain's just mush. Well, we kind of missed you, Jared, at uh, Shot Show. I, I didn't see you at all. Huh? Yeah, we didn't cross paths at all. I don't think. Maybe, maybe I tried once. <laughs> we might have – no, that's the Brownells crew I saw. Yeah, I I had a list of, of people that I wanted to connect with that were already friends, and it just didn't happen. And You, you know how that goes. It's I was at your house, cool. though, where you were staying. Where are you, really? Yeah. Wow. I don't. Was I not there? Nope. Wow. <laughs> it was in your bed, too. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, you guys well, my bed was the sofa, so technically <laughs> anyone who sat <laughs> on the sofa <laughs> – so I thought we'd just kind of go through it. Your guys' journey through your business from from everything I know about it, it's pretty unique and I think it's pretty awesome. So I'd love to kind of go through in the next under an hour, just kind of where you guys started um, and how you kind of got to where you, you are now. So um, well, tell us real quick, just kind of about yourselves. Like how did you guys meet and start this business together? Well, uh, I'll, I'll take the first little part of it. Um, so Kurt and I worked uh, together at uh, Delta Airlines and uh, we worked in um, a shop that does uh, a process called plasma spray. And uh, I was his lead for about six years. And uh, we uh, found ourselves bored a lot, honestly. Uh, it was, uh, there was, uh, they kind of had a, a theory um, there where you, you know, you would have people waiting on parts sometimes and not parts waiting on people. Um, so we would just find ourselves in situations where it was like, Hey, let's, uh, let's entertain some ideas. You know, we just talk a lot. So um, Kurt was talking one day about uh, a purchase he had made and I'll let him tell that story. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm a, a, a gun guy. Uh, I kind of, I guess I'm one of like the 2.0 generation gun guys that, uh, got interested in guns after, you know, playing video games and stuff like that. So at the, you know, I was still kind of a newer gun guy and I just bought my first EDC belt and from like one of the major popular manufacturers at the time and still, still today. And I was kind of disappointed by the whole experience. Um, I ended up, um, I guess I felt like I overpaid a little bit. And then on top of that, they charged $13 for shipping and it was like mandatory shipping. And it ended up coming in a USPS priority box. That was like 90% air. It wasn't even in a bag. It was just a belt, just like loose in the box. And like, that was my only shipping choice. And like, for some reason that really annoyed me. And I was complaining to Jesse about that. And like, you know, I overpaid for shipping and, uh, the belt's like, okay, it seems fine. It's very simple. Um, and then, you know, that just kind of led us down this conversation of like, I wonder if there's something there, uh, an opening in the market for someone to, I guess, try a little harder. And so we did a bunch of research. We kind of realized that a lot of these companies were kind of half-assing things a little bit, at least in our opinion. Uh, they were getting away with not having to try very hard uh, because 
business business was good and um you know they were able to get away with it because it was kind of a boom in the industry so uh we decided to start making belts and we we bought a sewing machine and <laughs> it was a, what was it? $1,300 or something like that. And we were like, man, should we take out a loan for this? Like, how are we going to yeah, do they, this? They, they offered a, a loan for it. And I was like, Hey, yeah. can you do this. Cause like, maybe that makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> but then, yeah, we, so, the so did, you end up just, to, did you end up just buying it then paid cash for it? Or did you end up going the loan route? We ended up buying it. We yeah. paid cash yeah. for it. Now just a, a brief history. We did, we, we started out kind of as an Amazon business um, and uh, we tried to, you know, we were kind of finding our footing before we started making gun belts. We had uh, dabbled in holsters and stuff like that. And that just, it was, who can, who can drop their price to the smallest, <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and yeah. make yeah. the least amount of money basically. So that, that yeah. became a, a challenging business, especially on Amazon, uh, where we were getting most of our sales and stuff. So um, I had done some, I had dabbled in like retail arbitrage and different things on Amazon and tried those different routes. And that's how I learned a little bit more about how to research a product and uh, where the where the demand might be. Um, I don't know, at least 100% of our sales were on Amazon for the first how how many years do you think, Kurt? Uh, at least probably a year. Probably. I think by the time we started selling belts, I think it really. I mean, it was probably like the other way. Probably like in the beginning, it was probably like ninety percent Amazon, ten percent our website. Yeah, uh, and I feel like the people buying from our website were like people we knew. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So did you guys, my uncles and stuff like that. Yeah. Did you guys have any experience before this using a sewing machine or are you guys like <laughs> YouTubing how to use a sewing machine as you're, as you're doing this? Uh, so I'll answer that. And uh, no, I, I didn't have any experience <laughs> sewing, um, but I was a mechanic. Uh, so I understand mechanical things. And so, yeah, after a few YouTube videos and, and talking to some people that knew how to sew, which, uh, helped me quite a bit. Uh, you know, a lot of it's just trial by fire, you know, you sure. just kind of throw yourself in the mix and keep trying different things. And I actually have a belt, uh, that we keep here at the shop that is, uh, just kind of a testament to where we were and where we are now. Um, and, uh, it's just, cool. you just, you just keep trying things until things work out. Nice, uh, nice. For nice. It to you. For everybody yeah, listening, guys, uh, oh, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, you guys can describe <laughs> some of the beautiful so straight lines you're seeing. So yeah, the the threads are very straight. I see that nice yeah. little cross in the middle of that. Yeah, I, got, yeah. I like how you yeah. terminated the, uh, the end of that there. <laughs> yeah, good. Just cut it straight with the scissors. Yeah. So I mean, to be fair, this is like a proof of concept. There's right. A, that's yeah. that's a nice little spot right on the inside, right there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but you know, yeah. it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's super cool as a business owner looking back at the old things that you've created along the way. Yeah. And the one thing that I really don't, you know, I, I don't know how to, how I would word it. Not that I don't like, but I, I kind of, it's not that I regret it because there's nothing we can do about it. Our prototypes are massive. So we, we end up not keeping a lot of our yeah. prototypes. I just have photos of things. So it's kind of a bummer. Certain things we have to hang on to that are, that are neat, but I just don't have space to keep everything, but it's yeah. cool to talk to other business owners and see, you know, I've seen their products for four or five years now and I've used them and I know what the refined looks like. And then to see the prototype is cool. You know, it's, it's neat, but yeah. how, what year are you guys into now as far as, you know, time frame from when you started? Uh, so this is, basically exactly four years since we started making belts. Wow. So uh, I guess our, the business in um, as it is right now started about four years ago. Nice. So how long did it take? So, all right. So you guys are now selling Amazon. There's a little bit of your website. So you were saying that was a year, a little bit more in. So that's, that, that, we're talking less than three years ago here at that point. So how long did it take to go from that to, I don't know, when you hire your first employee, because this is where I think your guys' story 
is very different from a lot of other people. So you guys, you guys have had employees working for you longer than you've been working full time for this business. That's mm -hmm. true. So tell uh, us about so, that. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take a little bit of this only because uh, it happened right out of my house. Um, so when we first started, I, I put it in, um, uh, it's a basically an unfinished part of my house that uh, used to be the garage, but then they closed in part of it. It's, we'll say that it's maybe 150 square feet. Um, and uh, we put a machine in there. And what's funny is when I first put the machine in there, I put it right up against the wall and uh, I'm sewing belts on it. And I'm like, man, this kind of sucks. It, it didn't even dawn on me that like I should move the machine sideways so that it's open and I can move this belt right off. You know, instead it was, the belt was just going straight into the wall. Um, but uh, <laughs> we, yeah. And that's where your little squiggly lines with the threads come in, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, we had been talking to a, a lady I go to church with and uh, she uh, was looking for a new job. And I was like, man, that'd be really cool to get her. Uh, but in my mind, the way I thought about it is it was just too risky. It was like, you know, what happens if I offer her a job and like two weeks later, I have to lay her off because mm -hmm. we don't have any work for her to do. Uh, so uh, eventually, long story short, we ended up hiring her and it was the best decision we ever made. And uh, we we probably broke some local county ordinances. In fact, the the week after we moved out of my house, uh, code enforcement was at my door just asking if I was running a business out of my house, <laughs> which is, is legal. Anymore. It's legal. It's legal to run a business out of your house. Um, I'm not arguing that, but uh, in, in, in our county, at least, you couldn't have employees showing up at your house. So um, that was where I ran into problems. So we had two employees right before we left and moved into our next shop, which we was about 800 square feet, which we thought we'd never fill. Um, and uh, yeah, we filled it really, really fast. <laughs> um, we signed a two-year lease there, but uh, luckily the, the people that were our landlords uh, were gracious enough. And I was concerned enough to just bring it up to them. They were entrepreneurs themselves. I said, look, you know, I just, I'm really concerned about signing a lease for $650 a month. Um, you know, I, I don't know, like it, could we have just a, a provision in the lease where if this business fails that we're not obligated to pay the, you know, the rest of the lease. Um, and uh, they were, uh, they were very gracious and, and took our concerns to heart and put it in the lease uh, that nice. if, that's if awesome. we had a downturn in business or something and we failed as a business that we could get a, out of our lease. Um, and another quick side note, when we left that place and I'll let Kurt take over for the next place. Uh, when we left that place though, uh, it was just one year. We were only there for a year. Wow. Um, and it became very quickly apparent that like we had to move. Um, so we signed a two year lease. Um, those entrepreneurs were super gracious to us. Um, they broke the lease. There was no fees. There was no anything. Um, and they just said, we wish you the best of luck. You know, um, yeah. they were, so, they were excited to see, uh, us grow out of their building. And so they were, yeah, they graciously let us just move on. So that was very cool. Uh, how many employees do we have? Probably four or five uh, by that time. When we left that place. I think we had, we probably had 10. Okay. Like, and what year was that when you so, guys left that place? That was just. That was um, less okay. than two years after we launched our belt business. Yeah. So okay. when, uh, when we, did we do the Kickstarter? That would so, be a better reference. So we Tell did the Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Okay. So yeah, we should actually cover the Kickstarter. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to step back a little. So uh, about March or April of 2016 is when we started making belts. We were in Jesse's garage all of 2016. Um, in December, early December, uh, of 2016, we launched a Kickstarter. Um, so we had come up with a design that we thought was um, innovative and uh, deserved to exist for uh, our EDC belt. And it's our hybrid EDC belt. It's still our 
best-selling EDC belt. And uh, it has a it's a it has a cobra buckle, but it has a smaller female cobra buckle that fits through belt loops. So that solved one of the major problems with uh, cobra buckle-based EDC belts, and that they typically the buckle is too big to fit through belt loops. So um, we talked to Austria Alpin. And again, you know, this is kind of, we're a really small business. We had like two employees and like two sewing machines. And we were like, hey, could you guys make this buckle variation for us where it's like a mismatched set of buckles? And they're like, well, technically we can do that, but you have to order this many of them. And it was a lot. <laughs> and those buckles are very expensive. Uh, the Even the wholesale cost on those buckles is like extremely high because they're like CNC fancy aluminum. Yeah, and they're made in Austria, and they have to be shipped through Canada and then into the U.S. from Canada. And there's just like there's they're just expensive. They're really nice, but they're expensive. So we're like, okay, let's figure out a way to make this happen. Uh, so if we did a Kickstarter, you know, we were like, okay, if we do a Kickstarter, we can justify the fact that this product deserves to exist by getting basically pre-orders for it, and we can fund the bulk purchase of those buckles all at the same time. Um, so we, you know, got together with um, uh, our buddy, Jonathan, the tactical nomad, and he helped us with uh, the marketing for it. So we came up with a great video and some high quality photography. And then I kind of like called in some favors and our goal was to raise $10,000 for the Kickstarter. Well, we ended up raising $10,000 in the first 24 hours Jeez. and then, ended, and then finished after 30 days with $52,000 total. Wow. Wow. So it successfully proved that, you know, there's a justification for that product to exist and uh, it was fully funded and not only the buckles, but we were able to buy a special specialty sewing machine uh, just for helping us manufacture that belt. So, uh, the Kickstarter ended in like the end of December. And then, um, we, you know, we're like, after like the first day of the Kickstarter, we ordered those buckles and, uh, from Austria, cause we knew it was going to take a long time to get them. And that was what most of the waiting period during the, between when the Kickstarter ended to when we fulfilled them was waiting for the buckles to arrive. And so they showed up about a month late and we had to hustle, um, and uh, we ended up getting, we got the sewing machine just in time. We got the buckles just in time. And like the most proud of thing that the most proud part that I am of the Kickstarter is that we actually fulfilled all of the orders on time. So nice. Uh, wow, nice. a lot of people successfully fund Kickstarters. Uh, only a small percentage of them can actually uh, fulfill those orders on time. So that's one of the things we see with crowdfunding is that a lot of these crowdfunding is done by people who are really good at marketing, mm -hmm. but they don't understand the logistics of actually manufacturing and following through on a product and R and D and all that stuff. So um, <clears throat> thankfully we managed to get both of those right and successfully fulfill the Kickstarter on time. So uh, those belts started shipping in spring of 2017. And by that time we were in our first real shop the 800 square foot shop that was a not in jesse's house and it had doors and separate rooms and we thought it had, like, a, it had a bathroom i know I'm like oh it's got a microwave like this is the most baller you could ever be um so we were really excited about that place and then yeah we were there until uh january basically we were there from january to january so the the entire length of uh, 2017 and yeah we Kurt and i to, were both working full-time jobs also. yes well yes working yes, full-time in I, delta <laughs> right that's the other thing i was going to bring up is yeah is meanwhile you guys are still working full-time at yeah. delta on top yeah. of this so yeah. you guys are moving was, shops was, once a year yeah, yeah. And so there's, yeah. A, there's a, actually a little more than once a year yeah that doesn't really get mentioned a lot publicly uh but i'm going to mention her publicly even though she probably doesn't really want to be uh but her name is patty and she works for us and she uh quickly went from uh, a lady I met at church to um, a shipping, my shipping person to uh, can you manage the books 
Uh, can you manage people? And, and she just kind of evolved with the business and uh, she does a ton of stuff. And, and I will say that uh, while Kurt and I weren't here, we were absent a lot uh, during those, uh, those years. Uh, she managed to keep everything running smoothly. So. Yep. Yeah. And she started with us right at the end of 2016, right when we were leaving Jesse's shop. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but then uh, we moved from the first real shop to uh, the uh, one of the, I guess it's, it's the old local cotton mill. It has a bunch of loft spaces in it. And we moved in from 800 square foot to 1500 square foot. So again, we were like, man, this place is <laughs> this <is> massive. Huge. <laughs> yeah. <It's> huge. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's, it's interesting. It was a very interesting place. It was a loft. So there was stairs. You could go down into a basement. It was like kind of a little, it felt a little dungeony because there was just old brick everywhere. And you know, the buildings was from the 1800s and lots of really thick wood beams. And it was a really cool place to be in. The stairs were not convenient, uh, but it was a cool place to be and it was available. The really, that was one of our biggest challenges was actually finding available places that we would be allowed to move into to run our business out of. And I guess we didn't so, say this, where are you guys, uh, where are you guys located at? We are in uh, Noonan, Georgia, which is uh, just a little bit uh, southwest of Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Uh, Long but, ways uh, away from us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and we're free down here. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not free right now. <laughs> we're very free. Like we're we can do pretty much everything, but have uh, have concerts and go to nightclubs right now. So yeah, nice. we're enjoying our freedom. Which yeah. Kurt and I yeah, never I'm did down. before, but now we really want to do. Right. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It, it's so funny yeah. when someone says, don't do this. You're like, ah, I kind of want to. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's cool. I, I love your, so that, that whole Kickstarter thing was even new to me, but I just love how dynamic your story is. And I think it's super interesting. And I think that people listening are going to be super interested in it just because you, you have some dip. I mean, people kind of have this preconception of how, how businesses start, you know, they, a lot of people just say, Oh, we go to the bank, we get the business loan, we come up with the business plan, we throw our pitch, we get our money, we invest, you know, and, and what I've been finding is there's a lot of us that started in the same year, 2015, 2016 year, didn't have business backgrounds, um, which that is something I did want to ask you guys. And I will come back to, but kind of just started with an idea and then went forward from there. And there's definitely a, I don't know what the percentage is of people doing that, but did you guys have any kind of business background prior to starting your journey? Only business failures. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I I would say that I, my business background is just in starting and closing businesses. Uh, I, I, just to give you a few, um, I had done a window cleaning business, a pressure washing business. Um, I, and I had a million other ideas and honestly that, that is one of my skill sets is I can come up with a lot of ideas. 90% of them are terrible. In fact, it's probably a higher percentage of that. But that's uh, my skill set is telling him all of his ideas are terrible <laughs> ideas. <laughs> and he does it in a way that I don't feel like threatened or uh, yeah. pooped on or something, you know. Yeah. I mean, so it's um yeah, that's that's my background. I guess. I don't have I mean I graduated from high school, if that's what you're Yeah, wondering. no, we we're both uh very successful uh at dropping out of college. Uh nice. So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> good for you guys so, yeah we're you guys saved a lot of money that way yeah yeah and so yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> well i i mean i didn't i went for a year and a half i played a lot of video games and then i dropped out so yeah, very expensive true. video games we yeah. do both have technical were, degrees though um yeah we both have an amp license uh, that allows us to yeah. work on aircraft in the u.s nice yep right. so yeah uh so yeah jesse and i are are, are different in the fact that like so far, I guess we haven't screwed this up and we're, you know, semi-successful entrepreneurs, but we definitely started in different places. 
he is kind of the serial entrepreneur who is always thinking of business ideas and can't help it. I was the guy who was like, you know, in order to start a business, you have to invent something or get a college degree in business. That was kind of my really ignorant uh, thoughts towards starting a business. And there's, you know, it's probably unlikely you'll ever be successful unless you do either of those two things. And thankfully, Jesse was able to bring out my inner entrepreneur and help me realize that like, oh, actually, in reality, and it's, it's funny that once we started doing this, I realized that like, actually everyone, everyone who is doing business is kind of bad at it. And like, you, 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 it's the truth. It's true. Yeah. You assume that like, Oh, like people who own businesses are special. And in reality, it's like, no, they're not. They're just manage, managing to like fail their way into something that's like working out for them. And a lot of really successful businesses, you actually start doing business with them and you realize like, wow, these people are really incompetent. Uh, and they're still a successful business. Like, wow, there, there's hope for me. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you don't realize that until you kind of get into it and start dealing with some of these businesses that have existed for a long time. And you're like, I cannot believe they're successful as incompetent as they are. That's awesome. I love um, that. So, yeah. <clears throat> so it, it gave us, it gave me a lot of hope uh, that we you know, like, I think that we can pull this off just by, again, whole assing it instead of half assing it, which is what <laughs> is actually really common. Yeah. Well, one, one thing that's a, an important thought exercise, and if you're um, listeners, I, I would encourage them to do this. Uh, the next time you're driving, like on the freeway or even down the street, uh, just try to count all the businesses you can think of, or you can see even, that are likely just sole owner businesses. Like, you know, it's not, it's not McDonald's or anything like that, but like, how many businesses are owned locally and then think and just expand that to how many are in your state and how many are in the country and how many are in the world. And it's astonishing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Mm. and the the thing is, is like all these people have wildly different backgrounds. Um, You know, and so the, the bar for like whether you can start a business is really, really low. Like anyone can start a business. Right. And you can do it with anything. You know, and the thing is, is some in some cases the worst that can happen is that it fails. And honestly, that may be the best thing that can happen too. Um, in my case, you know, I mean I I made a run at cleaning windows and stuff. Uh, it was it's it's not a bad business. It's just not the one that I was super interested in doing. I mean I'm a good window cleaner, but there's a lot of people that are a lot better than me. Um, and so, yeah. So let's hop back on the timeline here. So sure. you've now, uh, so, so what year did you leave? Or okay. So it's now uh, January of tw- <laughs> January of 2018. We move into the loft uh, here, 1500 square feet. Um, and we survive until, uh, I think November of 2018. And at that point, somebody moves out of a neighboring loft and we go, we'll take it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we, uh, we immediately basically doubled in size at that, that point. And we, so we made it 11 months before our, our next move. So then we moved and it was because we were expanding into another space. It was essentially like moving the entire business because we had to completely reorganize everything to best use all the new space. And that was November. And then in January, another person moved out of another loft and we did it all over again. Uh, basically we moved again. So now we have three units for a total of about 5,000 square feet. Keep in mind, and, these have two floors in each unit. Yeah. So there's, yeah. Six and floors, a walking, six floors. <laughs> yeah, and three separate doors and three separate units, and there's a yoga studio in between us. <laughs> yeah. Good. So when you need well, that, which was nice convenient, relax, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if we wanted to go from our main yeah. shop to the other two shops, we had to walk past a yoga studio. Yeah, it wasn't That's yoga. Funny. Pilates, Kurt. Oh, Pilates. I get my fancy stretching confused. So, how many employees do you have at this point? 
at the end of over 20, I would say uh, over 20 employees. So like full, like full-time, part-time, what's your, so split? that's one, one thing that's a little unique to us is uh, that our, our employee count is probably skewed uh, a little higher only because the people that we're looking for, it, for us, it's important to get the right person, not so much to just get a person. Um, so the people we're looking for uh, are really awesome, obviously. And then, um, so where we started finding a lot of people was at church. Um, and then those people knew people outside of church or whatnot. Um, and uh, a lot of them are stay-at-home moms that want to work but uh, don't necessarily have an avenue to do that. Uh, when I hired Patty, I remember she told me this. Uh, it's a direct quote from her. She said, I would like to work. Uh, I won't be here before nine and I won't be here after two. I was like, all right, sounds good. Let's do it. So uh, that that's just a good example of kind of where we're at with a lot of our employees. Uh, if you're here, you don't know who's coming in when necessarily. Um, we do have an app called When I Work that, that helps us manage when people are coming in. Um, but we just want a general idea. Like, are you coming in sometime this afternoon or that day at some point? Um, just so we can figure out where to put people and stuff. But a lot of them are stay-at-home moms um, and they're wonderful people. Uh, they've been really good to us. and. Um, we do our best <laughs> to be good to them. So it's, uh, that's, that's where we're getting a lot of this. And a lot of them are putting in 20 to 30 hours a week is, is about average. So. Gotcha. There's a, there's a huge employee pool of really high quality people that want to drop their kids off at school and want to pick their kids back up from school and want to work inside that window. And that window is, outside the scope of the normal, you know, eight to four or nine to five work window. It's, but it's not, it's, it's like, there's still a lot of work that can be done inside right. that, that, yeah. that time. And to provide them with flexibility to come and go whenever they need to, um, that allowed us to find people that are really, really high quality, uh, that are just, you know, looking for work and, a lot of other businesses are missing out on them by not providing a flexible work schedule. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I think and that's, it, this is, this is potentially a whole nother podcast, but that's something that uh, just yeah, getting outside of that nine to five mentality and getting more into here's what it takes to get this done. And uh, is just, yeah. that's something that, that even I'm trying it like, I'm kind of same way with my employees. I'm like, Hey, you know, let me know when you're going to be able to come in. And I try to, if I, if I need more help, I try to ask them, Hey, you know, can you pull more, you know, can you get more time or, but, uh, but just trying to get outside of that nine to five, because that's my, my previous 15 years of a professional work is office work. And you sat at that desk nine to five, no matter what. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I trying to get outside of that. And, and I've, I found the same thing. In fact, pretty much everybody that's working here I found through church <laughs> or their friends through church. So I've, I've kind of had a similar uh, pool as well. So let, uh, so we're in 2018, you now have like 5,000 square foot, 20 plus employees. And are you guys yeah. full-time yet? Okay. So when in January of 2019 is when we moved into our uh, third unit and we're officially 5,000 square feet. And that's actually the moment that Jesse and I quit our day jobs as well. So it was uh, right at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019 is, uh, is when we went full time with our business. And so uh, we're at just over almost a year and a half now of full-time work. So, gotcha. but yeah, so that was a huge, that was, that was a very important Let's moment. Let's say this, yeah. that near the end of 2018, Kurt and I had to convince each other to continue and, and make it yeah. to 2018. Like there were so, so many phone calls where it was like, Kurt's like, yeah. I'm just going to quit tomorrow. 
I'm like, no, don't. Do that. <laughs> I would call him like, was, I'm going to quit tomorrow. He's like, no, don't. It do was that. actually, it was hilarious because, yeah, we were both, try- like, Delta has you know, good profit sharing, or at least used to, uh, ha- had a good profit sharing more. check that you would, you would get that you had to work the entire year in order to get that profit sharing check. And so Jesse and I had convinced ourselves that we were going to attempt to do that. We were going to make it all the way to the end of 2018. And it was literally like every other day, like he would call me and tell me he's going to quit and we can't do this anymore. This is stupid. And I would tell him, don't do it. We can make it. And then literally the next day it would, the roles would be reversed. <laughs> and I would tell him that <laughs> because you know, you'd have one bad day and it's just like, yeah. this is dumb. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Or like something would like really good would happen with our business where we were like, why do we, why are we still like, can we just like, let's just move on. And honestly, like, looking back at it now we should have just quit we should have yeah. not listened to each other and uh just quit earlier <laughs> yeah, so, that was, so that was one of my questions is going to be it i think for a lot of people making that jump into being a part entrepreneur to a full-time entrepreneur it's terrifying and mm-hmm. and, it, and i feel like everybody i've talked to and i felt the same way wish wish they would have done it a little sooner so you guys feel the same way you wish you would have done it oh yeah we wish we did yeah. yeah. way sooner. I mean, if we didn't yeah. know, Hinds- hindsight is yeah, hindsight's always but... twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it... in that moment, there's that fear. Like, so like Delta Airlines is again <laughs> within the past two months, this reputation has changed. Yeah. But theoretically, Delta Airlines used to be a really stable place to work uh, as a mechanic and make really good money for you know um, for what you were doing and when Jesse and I left, there were a lot of people who were like, you're going to be back or are you sure you want to do this? Uh, it's a you bad know, this, idea. Like this is a bad idea. This is really risky. Uh, you know, cause you have to build seniority at Delta. And actually I was at Delta for eight years and it took seven and a half years for me to max out in seniority. So I actually quit six months after I maxed out yeah. or maxed out on the pay scale. <laughs> like I just like reached the mountaintop yeah. and it was like, all right, I'm leaving. Yeah. Uh, so like, that was kind of like, it was kind of like, it was kind of scary. And, you know, we both have families and wives and, um, and you know, it would be, we could probably get jobs back at Delta again, but we'd be at the bottom of the pay scale. And obviously now again, hindsight 2020, we made the right move because Delta is in really rough shape right now. And it turns out that it actually, you know, it wasn't as secure as a job as a lot of people were telling us. I think Jesse and I knew that because if you look back in the history of the airlines, uh, you know, if you looked back 10 years from when we quit, so back to like 2010, like it's a great place to work. It's super stable. But if you look back 20 years, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of struggles through the mid two thousands for all the airlines. And I think people kind of, you know, might forget that, uh, every job has risks. So even if you think you're in this perfect stable job and you're afraid to make that leap, um, it's not, you, it's not, it's not a hundred percent secure. In fact, Jesse and I's jobs are more secure now than they were at Delta because we have control over them. Right. Um, when we were at Delta, we didn't have control and anyone else could decide what was going to happen with our jobs. Right now, Jesse and I get to decide. So I like the ability to have control over whether uh, we succeed or fail and our jobs are there or not. So that that's been a really big change. Something I was going to say is that as I'm looking back, when I did draft, because my background's drafting, I worked at a structural steel place. We manufactured massive steel components for big buildings. My job right now at this moment most likely would have been terminated maybe at least laid off just in this scenario of this pandemic that we have going on and I'm still working, you know, our team is still working and there's something to be said about knowing that we took a huge risk doing a a business venture, but as of right this, and, and you know, that's not a, an arrogant thing to say or anything. I'm not trying to be like that, but it's an eye opening experience when you realize that in some ways you have more security, but still, still knowing the reality that there's uh, there's things we can't control and there is still risk. So I don't want to sound like there's no risk, but yeah, well, I mean, I mean, look at Delta, they're they're not, they're not in the position 
they're in because of anything they've done. Right. I yeah, mean, exactly. you know, it, yeah. and, and I've, uh, I have friends at the last, last couple of businesses that, that I, I worked at as an engineer and they're, and they've all been furloughed. Um, so I'd be sitting in the same place, but, yep. uh, but I'm still working. So, yep. um, it, and I yeah. think it, it, so it's been what three years before you guys were able to go f- uh, full time. Something like that. Uh, about three years from when we started making belts. About four from when we started our business. When do you think? When did you guys first like take any paycheck from your business? Uh, it, it took a little <laughs> while. Uh, yeah. In fact, you know, we 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 in, uh, invested our initial money into the business. Right. And I told my wife, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we should like a few months. We should be able to get this money back, and yeah. you know, then we'll be. Everything after that will be will be profit, and the reality was that uh, you invest the initial seed money into the business, and then if the business does really really well, you you do not get that back. You don't get anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the funny. That's the part that people always yeah. looked at me cross-eyed when I was like, "You're not going to pay yourself for a couple of years, literally." Like, I mean, yeah. that's the normal thing that happens is, or you're not yeah. going to pay yourself very much. Yeah. It's it's right. kind of rare to get into a business invest your money and then you know become the anomaly that all of a sudden you're making what you were making at your other job it is literally going to be a fight in a lot of ways yeah especially if you're doing like manufacturing and there's like you need to increase capacity along with the sales all your money gets reinvested into this giant you know ball of money that um you see it's right there it's right there in front of you you just don't get any of it. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that was eye opening for me is how much money it took to have something that's self-sustaining, you know, that can pay you and reinvest in itself and do all that. And the only, the only way that we were able to do it, I mean, we didn't start off with a lot of money or anything like that. Um, we, basically our jobs, our, our day jobs, you know, doing two things at once. That was the only reason we were able to continually reinvest all of the profits and grow it to the point where we were able to step out from our day jobs and, and, and do it full time. I just think that's such a, you have, you have people listening who, who haven't started that business yet or, or man. So before this, we were talking about some of our, our commenters on social media that seem to be so knowledgeable in our businesses. If we could get, we could get, we could get them to listen to this and, and understand, you know, we're talking three years and actually that's probably about the same for me too. Three years of working two full-time jobs. And what I think is so cool in, in your guys' story is that you guys built this functioning business with other people making paychecks while you guys weren't. And other people building this business while you, know, well, you guys are still working another job. And it took three years before you guys were able to, you know, really, you know, start working for, working for your own business. I, I just think that's, that's just a testament to what it takes to do this and to make something successful. You guys put the, you guys put success of the business before, before money in your wallet. And that's, that's really what it takes. So I, I just think that's just such a cool story and uh but it's not over yet you so you guys <laughs> well it, and you guys you guys just you guys just started another chapter so tell us about uh your your next move so you're on to what building four or five or something well yeah jesse why don't you cover this one yeah okay so um the uh where this started was a note from our ups driver he gave to our our shipping lady and she gave it to me and I said, I'm, I'm looking at it, it says Glenn and he's our UPS guy and I'm like okay and it, it has an address on it and somebody's phone number and she's like apparently they have a building they're looking to sell I'm not sure long story short um, we were able to buy a building that matched our zoning which is extremely rare for our county and for our city um i was looking for 
years and it was really hard to find anything. Um, and we were able to make it so that um, the, the owner was willing to finance the building for us essentially. So we had lawyers look over and everything. And, and um, so we didn't have to put as much money down as a traditional loan. Um, and uh, the building is 12,000 square feet. Um, and so that's, that seems like such a large uh, difference between 5,000 was where we came from and now we're going into 12. Well, there were some pretty big hurdles that we had to jump through uh, to get into this building. Um, first of all, it didn't have AC and, and we really just don't want to be running a sweatshop. So uh, there was, uh, we put in walls, we uh, put in AC, we uh, changed a few things, put paint on things. We, you know, made repairs on the roof and all sorts of things um, just to get in here. Uh, and uh, those all have to be permitted and done through the city and the building department. And there's uh, that can sometimes be a rocky road too uh, to go down. Um, but uh, in March, was it the end of March, Kurt? Uh, it was the beginning of March. Beginning of March. Beginning yeah, of March. Coming up on two months. Yeah. So beginning of March, we moved in, and uh, we moved all the sewing machines over here. And what's crazy is it's literally maybe 500 yards from our old shop. <laughs> like nice. It is really close. Like there's a train track in between us and that's about it. And so um, we moved in and what's crazy is that after moving in, we filled the whole place. Yeah. <laughs> like not crazy. Even possible. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> That's the, that's the crazy part. Uh, Kurt and I have committed to each other and to ourselves that we are not moving uh, anytime. Uh, we're going to figure out ways to make this work yeah. uh, here. So yeah, we both said we're, we're, we're quitting uh, if we have to move again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can imagine moving all the, all the equipment, the sewing machines, all your inventory, oh, yeah. then getting people's workstations set up. Moving That's sewing machines up and down stairs is the worst thing ever. They're so uncomfortable to carry. They're top heavy. They're kind of like sharp on your fingers. It's just yeah. the worst. We yeah. don't ever want to do it again. So just a quick story, moving a machine upstairs. So we have a guy uh, that his, his wife is our manager and she, uh, she her husband is seven feet tall and uh, he was helping me carry a machine up the stairs and I was on the inside and he was on the outside of me. <laughs> so we were like spooning each other going up the stairs. Uh, a little uncomfortable. So if, you, if you're moving sewing machines up and down stairs, you're going to need about four people yeah. potentially. And uh, it's, uh, it could be really uncomfortable. <laughs> and these aren't, I'm going to venture to say these aren't normal sewing machines because people yeah. listening are probably going to be like, oh, it's just, you know, grandma's little mom's sewing machine. Yeah. Ever. yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so it, what's interesting is uh, when we started our business and we started sewing, I didn't know that there was anything other than just a normal sewing machine. Like, you know, Singer. That was the only person that made sewing. That was the only uh, company yeah, that made sewing machines, right? That's all I know about, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it turns out sewing machines have come a long way. Um, and uh, there's a lot of different kinds, but they're not sold at Walmart. And uh, they're not even sold locally, usually. Uh, you have to go find a, an actual dealer. And they're the ones that know what kind of sewing machines exist because they don't even have them on their showroom floor. Uh, you know, and say, hey, I'd like to make a, a square about yay big, and I need to sew this to this. And I say, oh, yeah, well, you know, this uh, model of this model in this catalog right here, it'll do that. But, you know, it's going to take uh, six or seven months for us to uh, get it to that point where you can actually have it. Wow. So sometimes it, it can be challenging to. Uh, I, I think Jesse and I could do an entire podcast just on like dealing with suppliers and manufacturers. Yes. And <laughs> all of our strategies for that and how frustrating that can be and the difference between the good ones and the bad ones. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to do that because um, we won't get into this 
this episode, but you guys have another business uh, as a supplier type of mm-hmm. stuff. I don't, I don't know if that's common. Yep. We do. I'm a public Absolutely. knowledge, but uh, but yeah. So there, there's a, there's a lot more to this that that we'll definitely do another podcast on. Uh, yeah, we're definitely just skimming the surface. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're doing a we're doing a million mile view of things here. So yeah, um, yeah, and and I know I just I was so excited to watch you guys you know watch the construction of this of the shop space and getting things set up and stuff. I I can't wait till I'm allowed to leave my state and I can come visit you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, heck, I want to come to yours, man. Yeah, I've been watching you do your thing. Yeah, <laughs> I come uh, rescue you and hide you in a trunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think I was talking to you, Greg, when uh, right when you were thinking about making that move. Yeah, I think uh, so. I remember telling you like you should do it. Yeah, and <laughs> I was yeah I, I was terrified. I was going from six hundred square feet to twenty two hundred square feet, and I thought, what am I ever going to do with all this space? Yeah. And I filled it up instantly. yeah i think what happens is while you're starting to grow out of your current space it's like a compressed spring and then once you get like the time it takes to get into the new space especially for us because it was like a six month process from when we kind of started negotiating buying it to when we were moving in it might have been actually longer than that by the time that all like when we first started looking at the building we were like oh this is like wildly huge but by the time we were actually moving in, like our business had kind of almost doubled in size. So we were this compressed spring that just like <laughs> exploded into this building and then kind of used it all up. Well, I know, I mean, I didn't realize that I had cases of clamshells piled up in my garage. I had things piled up in my basement. You know, I, I, it wasn't, I didn't have my whole business in that garage. I had my business spread out into all over my house and, and, right. and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, you know, by the time you you move that stuff, plus usually the reason you're moving is because you need more stuff. So then you start bringing yep. more new stuff in there, and you're also getting a taste of what it's like to not have to be banging your elbows every time you turn around because because mm-hmm. everything's crammed in. Mm-hmm. So you so you get used to having a little more room and a little more space, and you don't want to give that oh, yeah. space up. But at some point, you have to give up that space and start hitting elbows again if if you have to. But yeah, we hope not. J- Jesse, uh, we just got a, a, a three-wheeled uh, work bike uh, remodeled. That thing's awesome. Ago. I saw it. Yeah. See, Jesse, we have enough room on the shop floor right now where Jesse and I were riding around inside the shop floor. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. I, hope to, I hope to keep it that way yeah. uh, where it doesn't get much more cramped than that. But but yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how fast things can, can grow. Well, that, and Our, there's another podcast I would love to talk uh, I mean, Jesse talked about this a little bit is like, uh, what, how big do you grow your business? Right. Yeah. You know, you know what, yeah. what, you know, do you, do you at some point say, okay, <clears throat> this, this is it. Do you keep growing to, yeah. So that's my question. My question with that, I, I would, I would answer that. Well, answer and ask a question at the same time. Do you have a choice? I mean, I, I don't, yeah, do you? I mean, yeah. if, if, if a ton of people want to buy your product, um, you know, what are the strategies to stay smaller? I mean, I, yeah. I guess you can increase it's your just, price maybe. Um, so I, I know people that made that decision and I think you're, I think you're, so you're, I think your question's very smart, very intelligent because I know people who made the decision to put the brakes on things, to not hire more people, to not, um, invest in marketing more, you know, kind of just came to a comfortable level, but then the times brought uncomfortable realities where things changed rapidly and the lack of investment in growth put them in a really tough situation. So it's, it is unique. It's something that I, I mean, Greg and I've talked about it a million times, but it's something that in some ways, if you're doing your job right, you should be growing even just by, by the nature of what's happening. So, yeah. If you, we found, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, we, I mean, we found that like just by the nature of selling belts, like you end up selling more belts, like those belts that we've sold that exist. People tell their friends, they sell more Mm -hmm. belts. That's, it's kind of hard to stop that train. Like that train is rolling. 
Um, and I think uh, the, the, the question of how big do you grow and can you stop it is something that Jesse and I are just starting to, I think, having to seriously consider because, you know, we've kind of joked from the beginning that like, we don't want to have an HR department yeah. Like, be like, <laughs> like we don't want to be a corporate business. Like that's not why we got into this is yeah. to be corporate. Like Amen to that. You know, there's a TV behind me and we can play video games on it and <laughs> like sit on the couch and like, like that we want this to be uh, a fun place to work because to us, the money is a means to an end, not the end. If, if it was only about the money, we'd grow, 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 grow. And, but, the, but that's not like we, we, we did this for the lifestyle that, we could we could get from it not just for the money and uh yeah there's a certain i guess point where there's the conflict between the size of your business and your ability to um i guess live the lifestyle you want to live of you know being with your family and being able to take a day off right i i think that it's it and kurt highlights a good point that we've talked about previously too is that uh to me, for me, starting a business was never really about the money. It was more about, is there something I can do or service I can offer that allows me to choose when I work? Um, and I know that sounds strange, but like when, when I was working the, for the airlines, I didn't get to choose when I worked. And uh, I mean, Kurt and I worked second shift for years. Um, second I worked, shift weekends. Yeah, second shift weekends. So like you, <laughs> yeah. And and if and if and if you're unfortunate enough, I mean, at some point you look at it and you start thinking, well, you know, I'm not going to really see my kids, uh, hardly ever. You know, in some cases, you'd find yourself in a in a bad situation, and that's you know where we learned to like we needed to do homeschooling and stuff. Uh, just so I could see my kids. Um, so uh, there's that. And then uh, the other part of it is that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I worked third shift for a few years too. And I mean, I think your health starts to suffer, you know, when you're working from 8 PM to 6 AM every day or like, you know, four or five days a week, uh, that, that's rough on your body. You start to, uh, I mean, you, you're just not getting enough sleep. Honestly. You start to hallucinate that making a business is a good idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it, it's never, it, for me, it's been more about like, how can I change, uh, my lifestyle a little bit and, uh, or a lot. Um, and not so much like I want to buy, uh, you know, this exotic car or something like that. It's never been about that. So it, I felt the same way it, and I, I just, I was looking forward to being able to work when I wanted to work and I'm, I'm five years in and I'm still waiting. <laughs> to, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still work too much, but you know what, you know, if they say, if you, if you find something that you love that you never work a day in your life yeah. and I, I kind of feel like I'm at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, it, I just, just made the comment the other day just about how on Fridays I'm kind of cranky, I guess. And I never, never actually noticed that before, but I kind of paid attention this past Friday. I'm like, man, I am kind of cranky today. It's because <laughs> the weekend's coming and I'm bummed. Like I love, yeah. <laughs> I love being here. I love making things. I love like, just, I, I love this so much that it's, yeah. it's truly not like I, I, I pop up out of bed in the morning and I race to work and uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, and it, and there is freedom it with, you know, back when my kids, uh, weren't made to be homeschooled, I was able to like, you know, I'm able to go to my kids Valentine's school party and stuff like that. Whereas, mm -hmm. whereas before yeah. I would have had to not get paid or I would have had to take vacation time to go spend time with my family. And, uh, yeah, it's, it definitely is, you know, there's a silver lining to battling through years and years of working two full-time jobs and not making money and all that stuff. And, um, I mean, we wouldn't do it if there wasn't. So it's just, yep. it's not something that's, yeah. you know, at least for any of us, it's not something that just happened overnight. 
No, there's a big light at the end of the tunnel for Jesse and I, and we talked about it all the time. We'd talk on the phone at night for like, you know, like two hours or at the shop, we'd be talking about it and just like how excited we were to finally reach the point that we're actually at right now. And I, you know, it's awesome that we're here and that it is kind of everything we hoped it would be where I am excited to go to work and I'm, I'm happy to be, I'm excited to go home too. Like I'm, drive wherever I drive I'm like all right this is great I get to go with you and my family all right I get to go to work like I'm I'm excited wherever I go life is really good right now um it's it's really cool to actually kind of be at that point um it did take a lot of work though yeah uh, it's it's such a cool story and we did just just barely scratch it uh and I would love to there's so many more things that I've, I've already spent hours uh on the phone with you guys just just talking about things I'd love to get into Mm-hmm. Uh, next time so uh, uh is there anything else you guys i think we're, we're about an hour here is there anything uh is there any like ending comments anything that you would want to tell, yeah. tell send people? them away send the listeners away with something of value uh, I, okay i will um uh i guess i will using my limited experience of being an entrepreneur and, a, and running a business i'll kind of go over some of uh the key things that I've discovered that like, these are really the only things you need or variations of these to uh, be successful in business. Uh, number one is don't be a dick. It's uh, <laughs> very, it's very simple. I love that. That's number one. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it is, it really it is. is no, though. It's true. Like, it's true. Yeah. Uh, if you can get a long ways in business by being a nice person and, um, being you know generous and helpful and you know not being greedy and and things like that basically you can sum it up by saying don't be a dick uh number two is uh do what you say you're going to do that is one of the things that is really um it's really missing and like when i talk about other businesses being incompetent that's one of the main things is them not doing what they said they were going to do or some variation of that uh you just you want to build long-term business relationships with people. Um, you tend to do that with businesses that do what they say they're going to do. And then um, uh, I would say uh, like, as far as like uh, run, I, the business itself, you can build, I think you can build an entire business off of like pretty much just customer service. Yep. So I think that's important for people to realize. Uh, the product is important, but customer service is also like a product that you can provide. We have a lot of reviews on our website that like they mention the belt second. They talk about the customer service first and then they're like, yeah, but, and the belt's great too. You know, it's like, but they're, they were so happy with the customer service. That's what made them go leave a review. Um, and then the last thing, which I kind of touched on earlier, which is you don't necessarily have to invent something. You can start a business selling things that already exist. You can just do a better job selling it and you'd be surprised that the people selling it may be incompetent enough or lazy enough or half-assing enough that, um, that it's actually not like growing because like the competition isn't what's going to be your biggest headache. It might be just the logistics of growing your business. That's the biggest headache, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think people, if there's something they want to try, uh, they should, you know, make sure they're do some research on it, but, uh, don't be discouraged by the fact that maybe something already, ex- or something similar already exists. Cause obviously we weren't the first people to make a belt. Um, and we, you know, our, our belts are, are innovative in a lot of ways, but they, they weren't necessarily in a, like our first belt wasn't really innovative. We just tweaked a bunch of things to try and make it the best version of a belt that we could make. And that's all we did. And then we backed it with good customer service. And that was kind of the foundation of our business. We've been able to innovate since then, but we had to learn a lot before we could realize where the innovation needed to be. So that's just kind of a, a summary that I would, I would, a, a pitch that I would give to someone who wanted to start a business or was starting a business uh, that's, based that's, on what I've learned. That's awesome stuff. And those, each, each one of those four points could potentially be another hour conversation. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm digging into it. And, that's, and I was actually, I was actually going to circle back because one of the first things that you said at the beginning of this was that, 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 that belt that you bought 
you were willing to spend the money. There was enough inherent value and need mm -hmm. on that belt that you got, but the experience that you yeah. went through <laughs> was enough to start a whole business on basically. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Experience I don't really like just, yeah. Just it's, overpaying for shipping basically inspired <laughs> us to start a business. <laughs> it should be like a banner somewhere in the shop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but, but it, I, I totally agree. And, and that's one of our biggest things here too is, is we are real about who we are with our customers and, 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 and we put our customers first. It, it, a lot of our reviews are customer service based and then, and the product. And, and that is something that, that, uh, you know, I'm always bummed when I buy something from a company that, that I've got a good view of. And then my experience with it, just, just the way that things are boxed, like you said, is, mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. you know, it says something about the pride that you take in your work and the pride that you, mm -hmm. that you have in your product. And if yep. it's just a piece of crap that's thrown into a box. Um, yeah, that's, that's not an experience uh, so, that's gonna. Yeah. The one thing I would say, just a, a closing, uh, argument, I guess, would just be that, uh, you know, I think I heard this quote somewhere that business is about people and people is about relationships. So if you want to be in business, go, go make some relationships with some people. Yeah. I think so. Absolutely. What do you think, Jared? It's awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah. And I think okay. everybody's going to find a lot of interest in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm going to listen to it again. Actually, I have to listen to it again. To edit. <laughs> like uh we gotta do this over again guys oh by the way i, I forgot to hit record so uh <laughs> yeah let's just go back and uh start from the beginning <laughs> well guys thank you so much for your time uh like thank said, this you has been, it's been a long time in the making we had to we had to quit a podcast and then come back from in order for this to happen <laughs> awesome but uh all right cool, guys cool. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, we appreciate you sometime. yeah thanks for having us on yeah, we should all get back to work. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, where can people find you guys? Uh, they can find us uh, uh, bluealphagear.com, uh, at bluealpha on Instagram, at uh, bluealpha on uh, Facebook as well. Uh, that's where we're at. Tinder? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Jesse might be on Tinder. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, guys. Yeah, we'll catch awesome. you next time. See you. Yeah.